Greetings, everyone. Welcome once again to the Gold Standard Movement podcast, as well as the GSG Global Marketing Channel here on YouTube. Uh, look, my name is Rico, and you know what we do here is we share information. We share great information. And today we have a, another excellent guest on our show and podcast. Today we have the CEO of Kalinex Minds, Mr. Uh, Max Porterfield. Max, are you out there with us right now? I am. I'm, I am. And I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, give me one second, because I definitely got to remove the pen so everybody can see you. I think uh, we're good now. Thank you for being here. Uh, as we were discussing before uh, we started, you know, our audience is, uh, you know, they're interested in wealth building and wealth preservation, uh, especially in gold. And we like cryptocurrency and technology. Can you give us a little bit of your background and how you became CEO of Kalinex Mines? Yeah, certainly. So I'm, I'm born and raised uh, in the United States and out of Texas. And uh, just shortly out after university, I had an opportunity to go work for a boutique investment firm that specialized in natural resource and precious metals investing called U.S. Global Investors. And a real unique time for that organization. Um, they were really well known for their expertise in that area. And then after about five years there, I, I decided to take my talents to Canada. I moved north. Uh, to where I reside today in Vancouver, British Columbia. I've since become a, a dual citizen. I worked uh, on the issuer side with two companies that specialized in the natural resource space, one of them being uranium, which has gotten more topical more recently, and another one was a gold exploration company. And ultimately, that led me to uh, taking over Kalinex, uh, which is a company I run today. It's a public company uh, and really been passionate about exploring and making discoveries uh, for critical metals that we as North Americans rely upon uh, at a really key time in the cycle. I mean, everything's about timing in life. Uh, you've got to play the commodity cycle in your favor. And so that's what I'm here to do. That's great. I like how you uh, referenced it. You're going to take your talents to Canada uh, like a LeBron. <laughs> like a LeBron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a LeBron moving to, to Miami. Yeah, no, I, I always try to throw a bit of humor in life because, uh, I mean, if not, life's not that fun. Uh, absolutely not. You know, so we like uh, fun and we like having fun learning. Uh, so what we're learning today is, you know, uh, I have done research in just to general mining communities in Canada. Uh, so it's it's a new world, especially for people uh, in America that are not in the mining world. Uh, can you just tell us what it what life is like in a mining community? Uh, I know you're very close with your community. Uh, in Kalinex? Well, I mean, I, and actually, I think I have a tie in one way or another to this small community called Flin Flon, Manitoba. It's a town of 5,000 people. And I was actually born in Odessa, Texas. My family was heavily impacted by the, the oil bust uh, that occurred uh, in the 1970s. And um, I always heard about that story and how the impact it had on my family and, and kind of the, you know, the boom and bust mentality around um, commodity cycles in, in, you know, West Texas, uh, West Texas intermediates, what oil prices are priced on globally. So with that being said, you know, Funfall in Manitoba is no different. Uh, the salt of the earth type of people, they're really passionate people, grounded people, uh, and they're out to, to make an honest living like any other small town that you find in the United States. Uh, so when I came on to Kalinex and realized uh, very, very quickly that that town was in jeopardy. It was, again, the bus was coming, so to speak, because it's a one-industry town. 
uh, I set out my goal was to have an impact on that town. And when I have an impact on that town, I'd have an impact, you know, in terms of what I've led to create. I mean, it's a team approach. Uh, so many more lives because of the velocity the metals have and how many lives they do touch. Because if you pick up anything, you touch anything, it's either grown, it's pumped out of the ground, or it's mined. And so to have that impact longer term uh, is something that I'm very passionate about and is the rest of my team's passionate about. And, and that's, uh, you know, something that, you know, the long term aspect of it, we know that it, there is a finite supply of all of these metals in the ground. So what would be, I guess, the risk uh, in investing in a, in a, in a minor uh, mining company? Uh, would not discovering something be the major risk? Yeah, so not discovering something is obviously a, a, the risk in a high risk business. It's just uh, it's like, like into a biotech stock. Uh, where you have a biotech company that's looking to do research and development to find a cure for an ailment of some sort. And then their trials are clinical trials. Our trials are drilling and testing our thesis through a drill bit. Uh, it's be like an oil and gas company not hitting on an exploration of an oil well. And the way I look to mitigate that risk is, again, a lot of the peers will be remote areas. Uh, very, very remote is, means that you have a, a bigger hurdle to make a discovery economic when you do make a discovery, as well as your exploration costs, your upfront capital costs to make that discovery much higher because you have to take people, water, power, uh, places for them to live, uh, great distances, and oftentimes helicopter in and out, and helicopters are not free, I'll assure you that. All right. uh, so with that being said, that's why I focus the company on making discoveries within close proximity infrastructure where you have all the facilities in place, you have the human capital that's there, and most importantly, you have the immediate need for what you find. And uh, that's, that's kind of how Kalanix is focused. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a shareholder of the company, so I run it as if it was my own. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to create value. I'm looking to do something special in the world. Uh, but that's how you mitigate risk in a, in a high-risk environment. And I think um, going to mature mining camps, they became mining camps for a reason, and that's because of the endowment that's been there for resources. And there was an old adage in mining that the easiest place to find the mine is in the shadow of a head frame. And a head frame is, you know, the, the infrastructure that is, has a shaft that goes underground or access to mine the underground deposits. And, and coincidentally enough, uh, our rainbow discovery in Manitoba that we made in 2020 that we've been aggressively drilling out, that was made within 500 meters of a head frame, believe it or not. So the old adage continues to ring true. Right. And that's how, I operate Kalanix to mitigate risk um, in inherently high risk business, but with that risk becomes high reward. And that's why the exploration business is the most exciting part of the mining industry. Right, right. It sounds like a lot of work. Uh, you know, <laughs> I understand, you know, you, you keep the business running. Uh, so what, like the makeup of your mining company, for example, like how many employees, how many, you know, things are going on that you have, you know, to make sure that keep working uh, properly. So we're, we're kind of unique to that. And so in terms of employees, we keep it uh, pretty lean. We've got uh, just a, a few full-time employees and then everything is really run through myself or one of my colleagues uh, through different consultants. So inherently employ a significant number of people, but that's on a consulting basis. And that allows us to remain nimble and a big cost component to our exploration is going to be drilling. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't actually employ the drillers we inherently employ the drillers when we contract them to drill for us. Right. Um, but that's, that allows us to be nimble because it reduces our burn quite significantly, about, probably about 
90%, if not more, when we're not in an active drilling campaign. Um, but again, everybody is passionate. Our technical team that we built are guys that have found numerous mines in this area. They found three of the four largest mines in this camp's history. And uh, this camp has generated 32 mines. So uh, again, they've been mining out here 100 years. I went, it's kind of like the Avengers. I think I'm not a big movie buff, but I think the Avengers is they go back and get the old superheroes and bring them back. And I haven't uh, called them that, but that's, that's kind of how it is. You know, I mean, they're, they're all here to do something good for the community and for the world. And in the most basic definition of a superhero, I think that's what a superhero does in their own way. Uh, so uh, they're, they're heroes to a different type of community. Uh, and they're just a little bit, uh, more low-key about the whole process. So, so Kalinex is a hero to these mining towns, keeping infrastructure uh, together and keep keeping, you know, food on the table for a lot of people that rely on these jobs. So uh, I salute you for, for that, you know, having that in your mission and your vision. But uh, let me ask you this, what, what metals besides gold and silver, obviously, because they're monetary metals, uh, which metals do you see in demand mostly in 2022? I believe that uh, copper is the new gold. I know it's a, a, a aggressive statement, but they call it Dr. Copper because it's the bellwether of the global economy. And without copper, you can't run the world. It's you know as a great conductor, so it's used in, in the wiring of your homes, your cars. For example, in the big shift that's taking place in the electric vehicle space is the move away from the hydrocarbon. Everybody wants to move away from oil and gas. Well, you're only going to do that one way, and that's replacing the metals. There's a lot of metals that go into an electric vehicle, but copper is a big beneficiary of that movement. Uh, if you look at the average, I have a, I have a 66 Mustang um, that I've had since I was 16 years old, and that's got roughly 40 pounds of copper. If you look at a modern SUV that's an electric vehicle, you're looking north of up to 150 pounds of copper. Wow. So all this, these governments around the world are putting in policy that are mandating that all these vehicles shift over to electric vehicles in a finite period of time. You pour onto that the infrastructure spending and the lack of infrastructure in the North America and how dated it is. I mean, I think, I think Biden was just uh, somewhere in a bridge collapse when he was in Pittsburgh. Right. And that's gonna be dating of the infrastructure and it's very critical, but what is infrastructure? It's metals, whether it be steel, zinc, copper, all these charging stations. Another good analogy is if you look at what platinum prices did when all the cars around the, you know, in these major economies had to have a catalytic converter for emission standards, it shot co uh, uh, platinum prices through the roof. Now it can have, it's one thing to have a big shift in demand. It's another thing to have a big shift in demand when you have a very tight supply chain. And that's been the case. It hasn't been sexy to be a copper explorer. Let me tell you, 80% <laughs> of gold explore, I mean, exploration in the uh, mining business goes to gold. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that incentivizes new exploration to come online is higher prices. And right now you've had copper prices near all-time highs. They touched all-time highs uh, more recently. Uh, it's always healthy for a metal market to have a breather. And that's what we're in the middle of right now. But this comes at a time of over a decade of underinvestment in copper and base metals. Because, again, it wasn't incentivized. So you have a, a big constraint in the supply. You have an immediate demand driver that's not going away because it's presetted, uh, pre, um, dictated by government policy. Mm -hmm. And you got to keep in mind the average timeline from discovery hole to production in copper is seven years. Wow. So it's not like 
you know, you drill an oil well and the oil just starts flowing out of the ground. You, you put it into uh, connected to the, to the, uh, the network and there you go. There's, there's a lot of uh, engineering work that goes along it. You have to drill up these deposits and there's timelines. And the way we're able to com- look to compress timelines in Kalanix's case is the fact that our discovery is located in proximity infrastructure. Mm-hmm. The, ta- the mine that's feeding into that infrastructure is shutting down in May. There's huge reclamation. So there's immediate need and there's immediate need by the people. So government policy will fall in line to help facilitate what's good for the greater good. Because that community is going to go from a generator of tax revenue for the province of Manitoba, in our case, to a big drain on the tax base. And so with all these things coming into line for us, we're really kind of catching the wave in the perfect time. It might have been a long time coming as an organization, uh, but I'm kind of getting off topic there. But that's why I like copper. Again, copper is the new gold. And I do see you know, copper having a, a, in a deficit uh, due to everything that I kind of mentioned. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so let me get a statement from you on ESG in, in environmental and safety, social justice, and, you know, all that stuff, you know, that's important right now, uh, regulations. What is your stance? And you can give us a statement uh, from Kalinex. Well, certainly, I mean, I think we're not, we inherently are ESG because our mission is to help people. And when you help people, you're going to be rewarded to help people. I think it's, you know, if you look at Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs changed a lot of people's lives. That's why Steve Jobs became a very wealthy person. Elon Musk is going to change or has changed a lot of people's lives and improved a lot of people's lives. If you look at entertainers, athletes, they're paid because they create something good in entertaining and making people feel good. And so in terms of ESG, as the world shifts away from oil and gas, the world's going to be looking to these metals. But then the big question is, how clean is your electric car if the supply source for your metals may not be that clean. Right. And the truth behind the matter is, is that the average global grade of copper mined around the world is half a percent. So imagine moving a ton of rock and only half a percent of that rock is actually the metal that you ultimately recover from that. And that's the case for these large, low-grade, open-pit mines around the world that supply a majority of the copper uh, out there in all these metals. This is not unique to copper. You're seeing declining grades across the board, whether it be gold, silver, zinc, you name it. Uh, these high grade deposits are harder and harder to find. And so the way you really kind of put yourself in that top quartile is by having a high grade discovery. And with Rainbow, the Rainbow is the name of the, the discovery we've made in Manitoba, mm-hmm. uh, is one of the highest grade copper discoveries out there. Uh, on a global basis, to be in the top 10 highest grade copper mines in the world, you need to be over 3.75% copper. And all the drilling we put out is, is that's holding true with Rainbow. Rainbow's going to be up in that area in terms of grades across the deposit. We're working on publishing a maiden resource on what we've drilled out since our first discovery hole. Uh, and Rainbow also includes gold, silver, and zinc as byproducts. So it's not just copper. You've got a, you know, a medley of metals that feed into it. And that's unique to the deposit style. And aside from that, it's the clean power because you can have the high grades, but how is your power generated that's producing the metals out of the mine? Mm-hmm. And in Manitoba's case, in Flin Flon's case, we actually were in 200 meters of a hydroelectric power line. Mm-hmm. So not only is it one of the highest grade copper discoveries in the world carrying these other metals, located within 200 meters of a hydroelectric power line, giving a clean, low-cost power, and then 
from the environmental standpoint, you don't have to look to potentially build all that infrastructure again because that infrastructure is sitting idle. And that's how Calinex sets itself apart on a global basis in what we're out to achieve. We are ideally fit in the ESG aspect that the world's suddenly coming into, but this isn't something new for us because this is how we've been positioned since I joined the company in 2014. Great, great. Uh, so you're near some of these clean uh, electricity sources and I know you're, you're mining in the ground right now, uh, precious metals and you know, commodity metals, but would you ever consider mining Bitcoin with that uh, clean electricity? Uh, for just for uh, legal purposes on forward looking statements or whatever, we're not mining yet. I just want to clarify that <laughs> we're an exploration company and we're looking to obviously get to that stage. And, and um, you know, you make a discovery, you drill it out, and then someone that has it's kind of the, the bigger fish comes in and swallows you, so to speak. Right. And that's the, um, the exploration business and how that operates. Uh, in terms of mining Bitcoin, uh, that's not in, in my particular destiny. I'm a material man living in a material world, and um, I, I'm very grounded to the earth. That's just inherent in my nature. Mm -hmm. I have a gift, and I'm looking to utilize that gift and um, create you know, prosperity through that, and that's in the physical. I do understand from an investment perspective or from a fear of, of uh, fiat currencies moving away from the U.S. dollar or any of these other currencies uh, because of the printing that's going on, and uh, it's going like it's going out of style. But it's not going out of style because they can't control themselves and they haven't shown the ability to control themselves. And that really goes back to the 1970s, not to get off topic. But if you look at when the U.S. got taken off the gold standard, that gave free reign to the politicians to endlessly print debt. And that's really the, the kind of realities of the world that we're facing right now. And the whole notion that the world wasn't going to be impacted by the printing was delusional. And I think the reality is being set in. You're seeing that inflation rates. And like I mentioned, you mentioned before, uh, I definitely think that gold's going to be a big, big beneficiary of that. Uh, obviously, the cryptos have. Uh, my only concern with the, the crypto space overall is the volatility, mm -hmm. uh, candidly. And um, I think that you're going to see it's, it's being more treated right now as a risk asset. Oh, and when a, you have a risk asset in a, a challenging time, it may not necessarily perform as you anticipate, right? I think there'd be more volatility relative to the gold standard in managing uh, risk away from currencies being the precious metals. Absolutely. And this is a question that I pose to uh, everyone that comes on to the show, uh, because, I, you know, there's a pattern. I mean, people that are believing they believe in physical gold and gold ownership uh, don't necessarily think there's a place for Bitcoin, but the technology that runs Bitcoin, I think, is going to benefit you know most industries, and I, and of course with inflation going the way it's going, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and the fact that money can just be printed, you know, it makes sense to have you know you know rules that are governed you know autonomously by something like a blockchain you know format. So I, I'm looking for a system that provides a better way to spend money uh, in a, in a way that works for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I understand that the blockchain technology is, is unique. It's going to have a big impact uh, on the world, the way the world does transactions, the way the world accounts for things. I just think that when you enter an un unregulated market, there's a lot of risks associated in entering unregulated markets. Uh, these cryptos are an unregulated market. And where there's rule of law, there's a lot of piracy. There's a lot of bad things that happen in those types of scenarios. 
if you were to you know have your bitcoin stolen no one's going to help you find that no one's going to come look for you no one's going to hold the people that stole the bitcoin from you accountable and that's about rule of law and that's what makes modern economies work is the mindset of a rule of law when you have ownership the ownership's respected and if it's not respected there's accountability that's associated with that and so definitely i mean one of the things that concerns me right now not that i'm like a I live in a fear-based mindset because I don't, but I'm just watching bigger picture what's moving going on is really you look at uh, a lot of these NFTs and a lot of these ideas of digital assets and what's going on with that. I think a lot of people are going to get hurt by that. And when that inherently falls or when any crypto particularly falls, that's going to inherently impact the dramatic, dramatically the perceived value of any underlying asset that's held on the blockchain. I liken it very similar to uh, the Beanie Baby craze or any of these bubbles where you have assets that are deemed to be unique or finite that aren't actually finite or unique at all uh, in like the NFT space. And the only reason I dovetailed into that, I, as you can see from the background, I like art. And so I, I get kind of fascinated as I watch different markets, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't, I don't play in those markets in terms of NFTs. I'm in the physical like I said, I'm a material guy living in a material world. Right, right. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things that people still need to learn. Uh, and it's really, you know, the technology. It's not even about the art. You know, it's not even about the NFT. It's about actually having ownership and that you can prove ownership. And, and that's the underlying technology that we like to promote. You know, we, yeah. we also do speculate. And uh, but, you know, we want people to know here that we're not financial uh, advisors, you know, this information is for just information that you can use. Uh, so moving on, uh, you're trading right now on the uh, Toronto Stock Exchange under CNX and uh, in the United States under uh, the OTC market at CLLXF. Is, is that correct? Yes, we, we uh, just uplisted to the OCCQX in the US under CLLXF. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, I was looking at the charts and you're down right now, 40%, about 40% from all time highs. Is, is that also correct? We are down. Yeah. It's been a, um, a tough quarter or more, a little bit more than a quarter for the, the base metal space. And that's a unique time where the price action in the equities is not reflected in the underlying fundamentals of these companies. Uh, so I do think it's a very unique time as a term of an opportunistic time to be looking at a story like Kalinex or quite candidly, any equity in the base metal space, even the gold space, where you've had price action in the underlying commodity that's not being re reflected in the equities. And when this occurs, there's one of two things happen. You're going to have the commodity underperform and catch up to the underperforming equities, or the equities are going to outperform to catch up to the fundamental reasons why they should be revalued. And I'm with the latter, in my opinion, of what's going on in the world as I kind of discussed that thing earlier. Mm -hmm. So right now, basically, is a great time to 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 look at undervalued uh, companies uh, in the base metal industry. You know, it's basically what I'm hearing, you know, go out and do your research. And this is just a great opportunity right now because the super cycle in metals we think is coming uh, pretty soon. Right. And I think if you look at any any. Um, sector it's all what drives performance is all about asset flows in or out it's like you know moving a ship and you gotta you know, follow the wave of the water because if you go against it you're going to be in some turbulent waters mm -hmm. and so a real 
great way to make a lot of money is being early before the, the, the tide comes in to lift you. Mm -hmm. And that's the opportunity I see right now in the base metal space. This is the same opportunity I saw in 2016 uh, when we actually went and we acquired a bunch of zinc assets in Eastern Canada and zinc prices were trading at, you know, below 80 cents. Today's zinc's near all time highs at $1.65. And the tailwind that you saw in the equities, when you had that move from 70 cents to a buck 60 in the uh, 06, 07 time, time frame, 08 cycle, is, is another opportunity to see right now, but this time you actually have the underlying commodities at all time highs, the equities haven't followed suit. And what's going to happen is when the world wakes up and realizes that this move is here to stay, you're gonna have a big flood of asset flows or, or money flows into this space. And that's when the sector is gonna outperform relative to the rest of the sectors or asset classes in general. Okay, are you an investor yourself? Are you investing in other things? Is there something you can share with us that you're investing in? Well, my, my biggest investment in life is Calinex. Yes, of course. Uh, of course. So, you know, and, and that just goes back to, um, I believe in myself. I believe in what we're doing. Uh, this is my life's passion. So it's not really work. I mean, obviously there's a lot of moments I'm like, geez, do I have to do this right now? But you understand where it sets up in the bigger picture. Right. And so with that, it would be a real shame if I were out to create all this and not benefit from the creation. If you look at all any entrepreneur that's done very, very well for himself and his family, he was heavily invested, him and her were heavily invested in whatever they were doing. Uh, and that's no different for myself and that's no different for my family. And uh, that's, again, you know, the best jockey you can bet on in a horse race is the, the one that's riding yourself. Right. And so I'm betting on myself. Uh, and will continue to better myself. Outside of that, I do hold investments um, in the resource space. Uh, I do also selectively, and I do also hold uh, investments selectively in um, more of the speculative space. I, I was early into the psychedelics movement. I do believe that uh, that's going to be a big industry. I have a big, been a big believer of that over the past several years before it kind of got in vogue a bit, um, because you know this is really we're we're living in a repeat of the 1970s, mm -hmm. right? If you look at the events that are occurring now and you look at the events that occurred in the 1970s they're very very similar where you had a lot of um uh instability a lot of big changes you had issues with the oil embargoes in the 1970s you had space explorations kind of invoked you had a lot of research in the psychedelics in the 1970s uh you obviously had the devaluation of the u.s dollar off of gold in the 1970s even the social movements that you have right now uh occurred in the 1970s uh, and the same thing for a pandemic. There was a pandemic in the early 1970s as well. So, you know, if you look at history, history repeats itself. And history is now in itself with the inflationary scenario that you're having. You're, you're having inflation that you haven't seen since the night, late 1970s, early 1980s. And so what can you learn about history and position yourself today to take advantage of what's to come? And that's what I'm focused on for my own self in investments. I'm big on real assets. Mm -hmm. I, I invest in art as well. Um, because again, I, I'm on the material and the physical. I, I, I don't believe that our consciousness is going to go in a virtual reality headset. And I think the rest of the world's on that as well. I mean, the recent price action Facebook uh, shows the cracks in that foundation of um, spin, uh, so to speak, in terms of where are people really at. Right, right. You know, um, and, you know, and I agree to to some extent. I look back at at the early '90s when 
you know, people started learning about email, you know, how to send a message electronically. And you would have never thought, and I didn't think, and most people didn't think uh, that it would damage the post office, you know, 20 years later. You know, people didn't have that much foresight. Um, but I'm a big technology guy. I look at the technology. I understand what the technology is doing. Uh, and, you know, I also understand that we need to live in this physical world. Everybody hold physical gold, physical silver. Uh, do you recommend holding gold versus uh, actual maybe uh, ETF or something like that? Can you comment on that? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that the best way to buy physical, maybe not necessarily coins. I, I like to buy it. If I'm going to buy physical, I'll buy uh, jewelry, but not jewelry that's not heavily marked up. You, you know, North America is unique in the jewelry industry where you have such huge markups uh, from the physical for the creation of the item. But that's not the same around the world. If you look at India, for example, you have a 10% markup usually on that. Uh, but there's some utility to that. Um, and you get to you wear it, right? And, and, and you get to enjoy it in your own way. Uh, but I do also own some, some coins as well. Um, but from a liquidity standpoint, I do think that the advent of the ETF uh, is, is a great way to access liquidity. But I, in terms of a portfolio management perspective, I would hold both the physical as well as uh, the derivative of the physical uh, and the equities. The equities are going to be what outperforms on the upside when the price action moves that way. Because what you have is that your current producers or assets that are going to produce in the future, you have margin expansion, right? If you assume that costs are fixed, your operating costs are fixed, but the value of your underlying product rises, your margins are going to expand as a business, and that's going to make your business that much more valuable. And that's why I would hold the equities as part of a, a diversified asset uh, or uh, you know, allocation. Well, that is great information. Uh, and I hope everyone out there listening right now is taking notes and they are hearing what's 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 being said right now. Make sure again you do your own research. Uh, so the last question before we get off uh, the podcast today, Max, is what is your proudest moment with Calinex so far? What is your proudest moment as CEO? Well, by far the, my proudest moment is the discovery of the rainbow deposit. I mean, it took seven years of my life, uh, and I was able to be there for the discovery. Most times, uh, well, no, nearly every time, the CEO is not at the drill. Uh, but it was such an important part of my life uh, that I went sure in the middle of the pandemic uh, as in August 2020 uh, that I wanted to be there at the drill because I inherently knew it was our time to shine. And, and it was our time to shine when we hit when we hit rainbow. And uh, so that was definitely the proudest moment. But at the very in many ways, that was the beginning. Right. Huh. It took seven years to get to that stage. And then that stage was the first step on the next phase of, of growth in my career, professionally, personally, uh, as well as for Calinex, obviously, because that's what holds the underlying asset and what we're looking to achieve and where we're building value on. So my next biggest moment's gonna be when we hit the next one. And I'm always looking for the next one. And, and I believe now we're much closer to doing that in 2022. Um, so that was the proudest moment, but it's not gonna be my last proudest moment. I'm gonna look to replace that with another moment in the not too distant future. Oh, well, that's great, man. Uh, it's exciting to talk to you, to hear your stories, to get information from you. Uh, I, I love the way you you break it down. You're a physical guy in a physical world. And a lot of people um, are way out there on some of the stuff. You know, we believe heavily, of course, in, in the virtual as well as the physical. Uh, but I certainly have appreciated having you on the show today. Uh, everyone, make sure you 
like and subscribe go out to Kalinex's website do you want to uh you have any social media or any any way people can follow you or keep up what's going on yeah we're, we're on uh we're we have a twitter account i'm sure you can, you can find us on twitter we also have on linkedin we're on all the social media platforms. we're not on instagram candidly um we do have a facebook page uh but uh i think twitter linkedin as well as our website are probably the best avenues to get the the, the news as we continue to drive our objectives forward uh here at calinex well, thank you again. You've been listening to uh, Max Porterfield of Kalinex uh, Mining. My name is Rico. This is the Gold Standard Movement and the GSG Global YouTube channel. We certainly appreciate all of you for listening, and we'll talk again in the future. Thank you, Max, for being on. Thanks so much for having me.